Welcome to the home of the blessed people, and here is our host pastor, Pastor Dio Adeo. I want to thank God uh, for the Bible study series we've been taking, Who Am I, for some time. I want to thank God that today will be the conclusion, but we started the part one of this concluding part uh, last week when we talked about the destination of believers, what is the end product at the end of the day what is it that uh, is the end product of our lives where is our destination where is our destiny uh, popular opinion every if you have an average Christ, uh, if you have a, if you ask an average Christian where is your destiny where is the destination of saints most people say heaven but if you do a thorough study of the scriptures, you will see that it's not heaven. Heaven is just part of the final destination. It's part of the journey. It's part of the concluding part. Amen? Our real ultimate destination, where God is taking us to, is the full redemption of our own spirit, soul, and body. Until our body is ultimately redeemed. Hallelujah then that is when our destination is. Because heaven is just part of the journey. Praise God. God has created heaven for himself. That's not our own destination. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Praise God. And we are not, so, so many believers, they are going to live in heaven forever. No, that's not your final destination. Praise God. And that's why we need to know all these things, learn all these things. That is the full redemption of your body. He planned to redeem us, spirit, soul, and body. Amen. This body is temporal. It's mortality. You need the ultimate body that you and I still need. It's the immortal body. Praise God. And that comes only after death in this body. Praise God. Let me quickly go to the board before you start looking at me as what is he saying today again. Amen. Praise God. Remember, remember this, we have a, let's just quickly, I hope the summary won't get me into trouble, but I don't like jumping into a trouble. Uh, I don't like jumping into a topic without us doing a short revision, okay? It keeps us, God's spirit, man's, I hope you can see my writing. Oh, you are not, where's the camera to take care of the online audience? Oh, you are trying it from there, okay. I hope you get it right. God's spirit, man spirit, uh, uh, that's the human soul. You have the mind, you have the will, you have the emobaba. Then you have, uh, then you have the human body. 
Praise God. You see, in this part of eternity presently, you've seen how God's functionality is for your life. God wants, this is how you function. You remember you are understanding who you are. You depend solely on God's spirit. God's spirit, praise God. God's spirit instructs your own spirit. God's spirit instructs your own spirit. Your spirit instructs your soul. That is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And because they have the influence of your spirit, motivated by God's spirit, you control your body. This is how you function. Praise God. We talked about being soulish and being spiritual. I will not go there. We are too far away if I should go there. Let's start from last week, what we talked about. Amen. That God has total commitment. For the past two weeks we've been saying that. God has total commitment to dwell with man. He has revealed his intention. Even before the foundation of, this, of the world, the plan has been clear in the Old Testament to the New that God has chosen his tabernacle amongst men. He had always wanted to live with man. His desire is there. His plan has never changed. That he always wants to pitch his tent with men. Praise God. Throughout the Bible, we see God planning this of how he wants to live with man. Amen? He has temporal dwelling places. We saw that in the scripture. We saw Solomon's temple. We saw the tabernacle of Moses. There were temporal dwelling places. That was not his ultimate and permanent idea. The permanent idea was still to dwell with men but just to dwell inside of you individually. God has got that. Even when he was sending Jesus, he said, that the body you have prepared for me. What is the purpose of the body? We talked about this in the past weeks. It's to do God's will. It's to carry out God's will. That's it. He wants to dwell so that you can do his will. Amen. Praise God. You don't sound excited tonight. All right. Praise God. All right? So the, uh, uh, in the New Testament, we saw this became clearer. Uh, in the Old Testament, even his temporal dwelling places were destroyed. We talked a lot about the Temple of Solomon, how it's the most elaborate, most beautiful, expensive building I don't, uh, that this world, I believe, has ever received. But which God dwelt there literally, but it didn't even last. That building didn't last. Why? Because of man's sin. And that was not even where God was going eventually. God still wanted to live with man. And in the New Testament, we saw it clearer. We saw the desire of God's will. That yes, the temple he has decided to live in, his temple's not made with hands. Praise God. It was temples made by God himself that he had prepared before the foundation of the world. Praise the Lord. And we saw this in his desire in the New Testament that he said he was going to live in a particular tabernacle. This tabernacle is made of lively stones, which talks about believers. 
when we all come together as a body, when we come together united, the Bible describes us that we are like one brick each in a big temple. We are lively stones. And when we come together, he's going to dwell with us. Like how we are now, we often say wherever two or three are gathered, he's there. Like how we are in the church, in the tabernacle. That's why church is important. Because God wants to dwell in us. We have become dwelling places of God as a house. We have different houses all over. In this city, there are many houses where children of God come together, gather. God is there because he has chosen to dwell there. Amen? Now, not only that, we also as individuals, God wants to dwell in us. Not only with us, he wants to dwell in us as individuals. So there are two uh, two two provisions we see or two desires of God which we must all fulfill. Some people just saw the revelation of God wants to dwell in me so there's no need for me to go to church. No, you are wrong. Some people only see also ah, is God to dwell in us. He's not dwelling in individuals. They say, oh, it's only when we are together. No, you are wrong. It's both. And one is not after the other, one is not separate from the other, you should do both. That is, in togetherness, he wants to dwell in us. As individuals too, he wants to dwell in us. Praise God. Those two make it right. Are you glad that you are learning these things? We saw the, I mean, we've seen the twofold dwelling. That's what I call it. The twofold dwelling of the Lord. He wants to dwell with us as a collective body. And he wants to dwell in us as individuals. Praise God. Also, we see God's provision for our body. And if there's anything I really don't want you to forget in this series, is God's provision for your body. Because after you get saved and all that, uh, your body is the one that is going to be saved ultimately. You see, when you die, Praise God. We don't die. We live to declare the glory of God. Amen. But you see, when a man dies, part, you see this man's spirit, soul, and body, man's spirit and soul go somewhere else. Man's body, this present body you carry, goes where? Goes where? Into the ground, to the grave. This body goes to the ground. Okay? Now, it eventually, what happens to this body eventually? It decays. Good. But you will need a body to unite this thing again. I'm going to see you again and recognize you. That body is not this body. That body is what? Is the celestial body. It's the immortal part of you. So the invincible side of you, the unmaterialistic side of you, goes to a place after this part of eternity. Immediately after that judgment is made, whether you are in the positive, supernatural, or negative, a decision is made. Amen? But there is a time 
your body is going to put on immortality. And that is the next event we are waiting for now. Whether you are alive, whether you are dead in Christ or you are passed on to glory, that day is called the day of rapture or the first resurrection. Do you still remember all this teaching we did last week? Please, you, you, you should know them and understand them. Don't forget them. They are not things, because I'm going to say one or two important things about this teaching, why you need to pay rapt attention to it. Praise God. Hope I'm not losing anything here. All right. Praise God. Now, uh, the provision for the body, we went over this last week also, is the spirit, it dwells in our mortal body to impart life into it. So one of the provisions, God made two provisions for our mortal body, this body we carry. And you need to know this also. What are these two provisions? How many provisions did I say? Two. What are these two provisions? Number one, he gave you his spirit. Everybody say spirit. Gave you his spirit for this body. Romans 8, 11. He says, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells where? In your mortal body. This mortal, he specified it. Some people say, oh, it's the spiritual body. No. Is this mortal body? If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in your mortal body, it will vitalize, it will give life to your mortal body. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, do you have the spirit of God in you? Are you sure? Now, what is the function of one of the provisions God has made for that spirit that is dwelling into you, inside of you? It will do what? It will give life. Everybody say give life. Uh -huh. That is why coronavirus must not overcome you. Because the life of God is flowing in your veins. The same life, the same power that raised him from the dead is in your veins. Not only this virus, any kind of virus, any kind of sickness. Some of you are seated here. You might be going through one or two challenges in the area of sickness. Don't agree with the sickness. Fight it back with what God has given you. Amen. You have what's inside of you? The life of God. I give you the reference. Romans 8. The second thing, provision he has made for your body is, he gave your body the what? What? What is this? The word. The word. He gave you the spirit. He gave you the word. You can get that in Proverbs 4.23. The Bible calls it mape. He said, attend to the word of God. Give thyself unto you, it would. He said, if you find it, you will find life for your soul and health for your flesh and health medicine for your flesh. You take the word of God like medicine. So you discover that the word of God and the spirit of God, the power that brought creation into being, has been provided for your body. That is why you can, anything that the enemy has stolen, has caused to malfunction, you can recreate it. By what means? By what means can you recreate it? 
by the spirit and the word that is provided for your body. Do you get that? No, you got to get this. You got to share it even with your friends. This is why we are Christians. There must be a difference. If what happens to the world happens to us, then what's the purpose of our Christianity? God has given us advantage. And we must make use of that. And never forget this. You have the spirit and the word working in you. So you must walk it. Amen? Chase sickness far from your tabernacle, far from your children. They are not permitted. Are there going to be challenges? Are there going to be opportunities for the enemy to come and lodge, pack its bag and baggages in your household? Yes. He's going to want that. He wants to make a caricature of your salvation. But it is you with the revelation of God's word as you are getting today that you will push back. Everybody say push back. Oh, yeah. Statistics is telling you one in every two ladies now, they say you, is it that breast cancer or pelvic cancer or something like that? They just want to give you something. But it's you that you say, no, that's not right. Not in my body. Why? My body has been redeemed, first of all. The spirit of God lives on the inside of me, secondly. He has made provisions for my body. What are the provisions he has made? He has given me his spirit. You know the spirit of God is a portion of God on the inside of you. God lives well. Come on, talk to me. God lives well on the inside of you. So how can God and sickness be dwelling on the inside of you? No, you don't allow it. And that's why he said, as from the day of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffered, and it is the violent that will take it by force. It's not by uh, talking phonetics to the devil that he's going to leave you. No, you violently refuse his offer. Amen. And don't think the last offer I gave you is going to be the last offer. It's still coming again. But, but, but by the time it comes again, it must not meet you at the same level. The revelation you knew last year is not the one you are going to operate on this year. It's not the one you're going to operate next year. Why? The word of God is new when? Every morning. Every day. Every day I get stronger. Hallelujah. Every day I get more powerful. Hallelujah. You don't get weaker and weaker. The path of the just is like a shining light that shines how? Brighter and brighter. It's brighter light. The more the light, the less the darkness. The more the light, darkness flees. Are you with me today? Come on, tell yourself, my body is strong. My body is receiving life right now. It's my pay, medicine to my soul. Glory be to God. Praise God. Praise God. So know that you have the power of creation. The power that created the whole universe. That power is available for your body. Amen. And he said the word of God is not just for me alone. It's for me and my children. Praise God. It's incredible revelation, I tell you. Sometimes I, I can't get out of this. That the power of creation, the elements of creation, are working in my body. Praise God. Then, of course, we talked about the responsibilities of the body. Don't forget that. I won't go over that because of our time. I want us to get to an ample place today. Amen. Praise God. And um, 
last week in particular, we talked about the resurrection of the dead. We explained the two kinds of resurrection. We said there's one that has taken place already. That's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the same power that produced the spirit living in our body today. Then there is another kind of resurrection that are in two parts. Uh, that's the first one we are looking forward to. I read a place for you the, the other day in, in Revelation 20 verse 6. Can you put it on the screen? 26. Um, okay, let's not bother with... Uh, So, the second resurrection, I told you the first one has taken place. That's the one with the Lord of Jesus Christ, I mean, our Lord Jesus rising from the dead. But you see, the second resurrection are in two parts. We have a part A, part B. Part A is all what we are all waiting for eagerly today. And that is the rapture. The Bible says like a thief in the night. Nobody knows the day, nobody knows the time, nobody knows the hour, but the season can be known. You can be sure that we are in the seasons of the end times. Since 1948, the season has erupted. It says when the fig tree gathers together, that's Israel. Talking about Israel, so ever since Israel became a nation back in 1948, that we should be the second coming is at hand. At least we are in the generation that might likely see the second coming of the Lord. Now, nobody knows the date, nobody knows the time. I'm not giving myself to that. A lot of people have made the error. They've been trying to look for the date and time, investigating, turning every scripture. Jesus has already told us that he himself does not know. Now, and I believe Jesus that he didn't know. Because if he knew, he would have told us, you know. He would tell his bride now. Okay, men in the house, what can you hide from your wife? Even when we say, we will not tell them. Hmm? So he would have told us. One day would have made him happy. Prophecy would just come out. Don't say the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. But he said, he's not. so don't bother yourself. Don't, don't get involved. I've, I've seen a lot of people lose their faith because they run after such things. Somebody said, the year 2000, Jesus Christ is coming. What is this, 2000 and, uh, where is Jesus? Say, Y2K, Y2K is coming. And they started bringing prophecies from the scriptures. They started linking Bible things together. That is the year 2000. They proved it that, of course, the assumptions were wrong. Because in every theory, you have to make assumptions. So you have wrong assumptions, your conclusion will be wrong. They proved it. They said, they said okay, it's 6,000 years. Year 2000, 2000 makes it exactly 6,000 years that um, Adam died. Oh, no. The, from, if you come from Adam to year 2000, it's exactly 6,000 years. If you come from history. Do you understand? 
So there's a theory that in the seventh thousand year, that is in the seventh millennium, a thousand years is a millennium. That is when the millennium will come. That's the perfection, number of perfection. So it must be 2,000. And so every prophecy on perfection and millennium, they say it's 2,000 that is coming. So everybody concluded. There was a particular church in the United States. They sold all their properties to go and wait for the Lord on a hill. Thousands of people. True, true story. You can Google it or do that. True story. They sold everything. And some people made money off them. You understand? Some people, some people are not sure whether their dog will make heaven or not. So they kept their dogs with people and they charged them for keeping their dog. Different things. But why would people be so stupid? You don't need to be. Amen? He said, the hour and the time, nobody knows. You can't put a time to it. Are you listening to me? So there are so many groups out there. So there are so many problems. Don't go into error. Don't bother yourself. What the Lord said you should prepare yourself with and bother yourself with is to be prepared. Is to be what? Prepared. You don't know the hour. You don't know the time. But be prepared. That when he shows up, he meets you well. Your magnet will magnetize. It's not going to be a dull one. It's not that the trumpet will sound and you, you won't hear anything. No. Be ready. Make sure that you are walking right so that when the trumpet sound, you will hear. Amen? Uh, I didn't hear your amen on that one. All right. So the first resurrection, or the first resurrection has taken place, the second resurrection we are talking about, is the one that true believers will come out of the dead. Not all the dead. The true believers will come out from the dead. That was the word I gave you last week. I can't really pronounce it, but it's a Greek word. And uh, something like that. Something like that. My Greek is not that. Not that. Uh, so, something like this one is, it means X means out of. This means out of. This one, this is the word for resurrection. So it's talking about uh, out of from the dead. Out of dead people bringing out the ones qualified out of the dead because they will hear a voice. Amen? They will hear a voice and they will come out from the dead. That's resurrection taking place. Amen? So this is the resurrection. This is the first resurrection. This is the one that will be caught with rapture. Those who are alive in Christ, they will go. And these guys also will go. Amen? Now, the Bible makes us to understand. The question you should ask, you know, we were trying to ask a question last week. Now, what, what about those who didn't, who are dead, but they were not caught up with the resurrection. They were not caught up. Or they still remain dead, in short. What's going to happen to them? Those are the ones that will come up in the second resurrection. Because everybody will still be judged. Let's read it again. We read it last week, but let me just refresh it. 
Blessed and holy is he that had part in the first resurrection. That is the rapture, this one. Whether you are alive or you are dead. On such, in the first resurrection, on such, the second death had no power. The second death had no power. But they that shall be, I mean, sorry, but they shall be priests to God and of Christ and shall reign with him how many years? A thousand years. Those who participate in the first resurrection, after the marriage supper of the Lamb, we are going to have, you know, a ruling time, 1,000 years with Christ. Is that 1,000 years that confused the other people like I was telling you? I was saying that, oh, the next 1,000 years, the millennia, millennia, then they said, no, it must be here 2,000. Praise God. Now, let's go to verse 7. Verse 7. And when the 1,000 years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of the prison, and so on and so forth. I don't think we want to go further. We're just trying to say there's a first resurrection, second resurrection, and uh, they will participate. Okay, let's go on. He talks about the participation before verse 10. Where are you? And when the thousand years are expired, what shall happen? Ah, no, don't go faster than me now. When the, second, when the, when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Verse 8. Verse 8. And shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog. To gather them together in battle, the number of whom is at the sand of the sea. Verse 9. And they went up with the breath of the earth and compassed about the saints, about and beloved city. Fire came down from God of heaven and devoured them. Verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophets are, and shall be tormented day and night. Forever and ever. Praise God. Verse 11. And I saw the great white throne judgment. Now, the great white throne judgment is not judgment for believers. Those who are born again will never show up in this judgment. Won't you thank God for your life? You say, when I used to read the Bible, you say, say white throne. It must be believers that will be there. Ah, one day, one Bible sitter told me, in, I think I was 11 years old then. He said, ah, pray that you will never show up on the white throne. Ah, he said, it's white throne. It must be good. He said, no, pray that. When I became wiser, then I prayed by revelation that I should not be there. Okay. I saw a great white throne, and him that sat upon it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, there was found no place for them. This is serious, but I won't let this one, I don't want you to distract me. Let's go. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. That is, he's trying to illustrate that everybody that had died, everybody, every human being that has lived on the surface of this earth, that did not make the first resurrection, after the millennia, they are going to show up. 
And the only reason they are going to show up is for this judgment. Are you getting what I'm saying? The white one judgment. Because it's like, that is why, how you know that the legal system too, there is a way it is of God. Because God is a just God. You must be given an opportunity to defend yourself. Hello? There must be an opportunity to defend yourself. Oh, was it that you were preached to and you didn't listen or nobody ever preached to you? You give it an opportunity. How will God judge? Okay, before Jesus Christ came, what about those who had died before Christ came? How will God decide? Because there was no Jesus to give their lives to. How would they be judged? You have not thought of that. Or places that never had the opportunity of Jesus Christ coming to minister to them. Or the gospel getting to them. Do you know there are some places on the earth today that the gospel hasn't even reached? Praise God. And there are places we think the gospel has reached. It hasn't reached there. I've seen people come to this church. And they'll say this is the first time. They'll be in their late 20s, early 30s. There's a lady that came to this church, I think was 35. Say, and she grew up in North America. It's not a, she said this is the first time in her life entering a church. It's like unbelievable. The place that brought gospel to the whole world, what happened? 35 years old, they haven't stepped into a church in their life. And it's not the first person. There are several people like that. So even North America that we think the gospel has reached, there are people still living. That gospel has not reached them. So anyway, but we'll answer that another day. And I want to refuse to be disturbed because we must finish this thing today. Amen. But those are questions that are good questions to ask. What about those old, old grand, great-grandfathers who didn't have any choice. They were worshiping other things. Jesus had not reached the village then. They died. How would they be judged? Who can tell me how they'll be judged? If you know the answer, put up your hand. If you know the answer. How would they be judged? I point to the scripture that explains this is how they'll be judged. They'll be judged this way because the Bible says this. Sister Joy, I think you know the answer. There are no other joy in this church. It's not joy of the spirit I'm talking about. It's Sister Joy. That's why I put Sister in front of you. Or Sister Esther. Ah, the two of you were talking to each other. You must have known the answer. Huh? You were telling her the question. Very smart lady. Amen. Okay, that's assignment for you. Let's put it because I want uh, assignment. And the boys living in my house, don't come and ask me in the night. You, it's an assignment. I want to put it down that I've given you assignment. Then some people say, you didn't give us assignment, Pastor. All right. Praise God. Okay, First Thessalonians 4.15, open your Bibles quickly. Let's begin to go on now. Let's go on. First Thessalonians 
For this we say unto you by the word, by the word of the Lord, that which we are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Now this is the <coughs> first and second Thessalonians is just majorly talking about the second coming, rapture, and so on. You can read it when you get home. He's really talking to the saints, how they should prepare for it, and so on and so forth. So it's a subject of resurrection that is being discussed there. All right? It's just describing the event of the rapture. I told you last week that the word rapture, you will not find it in the scriptures. The rapture is just describing the event of a twinkle of an eye, the things that will happen when the Lord first of all sounds the trumpet. And after the sounding the trumpet, the Bible says with a loud noise, bang. They talk about big bang theory. They will know what is big bang when rapture takes place. Praise God. Now, now, the, 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 then the sound of a trumpet will go. Praise God. There's still an argument whether the whole world will hear it or it's only the saints that will hear it. Who cares? Just make sure you hear. Do you want to know whether your neighbor hears or do you? Just make your, your, your own ear hears it when it sounds. Praise God. Because when you don't hear it, <laughs> let's not talk about that. Whether you are, you are sleeping in the Lord, whether you are sleeping in the Lord, once you hear it, mm, wake up. And then make sure you get there. Praise God. Now, go to 16. 16. Thank you, Jesus. Rejoice evermore. Go on. Ah, okay. I think I'll be... Thank you. You are reminding me to go to my scriptures. Shall I make sure you see me after service? I've said, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the cloud to meet the Lord in the air. 
so we shall ever be with the Lord. Verse 18. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What should we do to ourselves with the words I've just read? What should we do? Verse 18. Comfort one another. Comfort one another about the rapture. The rapture is supposed to be a constant and consistent conversation going on amongst the saints. It should not be a strange topic where everybody will be staring at each other when it's being discussed. The Bible says comfort one another. What does it mean to comfort one another? What does it mean to comfort one another? The word comfort in Greek here means to cheer up and to stir up. To cheer up. Who are the people we cheer up? Those who are sad and down. <coughs> Perhaps you're a Christian, you are sad, you are down, going through depression or whatsoever. Remember the event. Jesus is coming back for you. Say so we should cheer each other up with this, with this news about him coming back. Now, whether we like it or not, it's coming back for us. There is a guarantee. We'll go through some scriptures tonight to let you know he's coming back. He means what he says, and he says what he means. It's not a fallacy. It's not the idea of some people that he's coming back. He's really, really coming back for us. Praise God. And we should be strong. The Bible says we should cheer each other up with this. We should stare each other up. It uses the word comfort. It means to cheer up and to stare up. Who are those you stare up? The lazy people. The backsliding Christians. Say, hey, come on, live right. Why? He's coming back for you. Don't be caught at the time you are not ready. He's coming. So you stare people up with it and you cheer people up with it. The same story. That he's coming back. We are going to be caught up with him in the air. He's going to make a loud sound. A trumpet sound will go. And the dead in Christ, we are not going to disturb them. They are going to wake up on their own. It's not a matter of wake up, wake up, wake up. No, they are going to wake up on their own. And we that are alive, we are going to be caught in the air. We'll both meet there. Amen? And he is coming back for us. Can I get an amen? So, this is a tremendous lack I've observed in the body of Christ that we don't talk about rapture enough. We don't stir ourselves up enough. We don't cheer ourselves up enough. When I was preparing to talk about this, uh, who are we in Christ, my mind was first going to another place, I mean, about who am I in Christ Jesus. But the Lord told me, he said, put this there. They must know the final redemption of their body. I wish the whole church is full. I wish there are many people watching. I, 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 be, I believe God for it. Because these are, these, are, these are important topics in the body of Christ that not only are we to know it, the Bible says something. We should comfort one another. We should cheer each other up, stand each other up when it comes to 
the second coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. I see it as a place of tremendous life, but that is changing in Jesus' name. The word rapture in the New Testament is hapazo. That's what it's called, hapazo. Hap, pazo, hapazo. H-A-R-P-O-Z-O. Praise God. A puzzle. Amen. Which simply means to snatch, to wrap up, to pull up, to be caught. That's what it means. Praise God. Let's now. I want us to go through some studies, I mean some scriptures. I hope you are still flowing. Are we together? Uh, Jesus is coming back. Say it loud. I believe it. He's coming back. Yeah. Say amen to that. He's coming back. Amen. Praise God. He's, he's really, really coming back. Amen. And I just want us to go to some, through some scriptures to assure you. I'm not just saying it. I want you to know it by revelation that he's coming back. Because remember the instruction in 1 Thessalonians 4. What did he say we should do to one another? Comfort one another with this word. So that is coming back. Where is the proof in the scriptures that is coming back? Where is the proof in the scriptures that is coming back? Let's quickly go through those proofs. John 14, 3. All right. I want you to be fast on the screen because our time is fast spent already. John 14, 3. It says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come. I will come. Who is talking here? Jesus, he said he will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, ye also may be. He said, I am coming again. Who is he coming for? For the saints of God. He said, I've gone to prepare a place, but I am coming back again. Who said he's coming back again? Jesus. Acts 1, 9 to 11. Acts 1, 9 to 11. And when he had spoken these things, while they held, he was taken up, and the cloud received him out of their sight. What happened to him? He was taken up. In their very sight, he was taken up. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in the white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up to heaven? The same Jesus that is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in the like manner as he has seen him go to heaven. He's going to come in the same like manner. How he went, how he ascended, the same way he's going to descend. He's still coming back. Okay. He's still coming back. Why? He's coming back to take you. Which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up to heaven? 
as if that's the end. No, it's not the end. He's coming back. Who said it here that he's coming back? Who said it? Angels. Now, first, he said he's coming back. Angels confirmed it, that he's coming back. Let's go on. First Thessalonians, you know me when it comes to this thing, we'll prove it from scriptures. First Thessalonians 4.16. First Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord himself shall do what? Shall descend from heaven. That's, that, that's what the angels were confirming to the people in the book of Acts. The same way Jesus went up, what will happen? He's still coming back. This is the confirmation being said here. For the Lord himself is not going to send an angel to supervise it. The Lord himself. Jesus Christ, the Lord himself. He's not sending an angel to supervise it. He himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. He's going to descend from heaven. We will see him in the firmament. Hallelujah. What an experience. What a glory. You will not miss out whether you are alive, he caught you alive, or you are asleep. Praise God. That's why we don't say saints die. I like what say, people say these days. They say, good night. That's what they tell believers. Good night. Because he's going to sleep. That's why I'm careful when some of my brethren here say, good night. I say, ah, no, I'm still alive. Praise God. I say, I'm, I'm still alive. Praise God. You know, we, we tell saints, good night. We say, we are sleeping. Why? Because those who are sleeping will do what? What would they do eventually? They'll wake up. And we know the day they are going to wake up. Praise God. Amen. My dad died when I was a little boy. I was... 13 years old when he died. But I told him good night. Because I know at the feet of resurrection, we will see again. And according to scriptures, I will recognize him. It's not that he will grow, me too, I will have gray beard, he will have gray beard. No. I'm not sure whether we will have beard, but we will see. What those details, I don't know. We will see when we see, but we will recognize each other. You will be able to say, ah, this is Benga. Not that you will see Benga this way now. Then you see team version of Benga. No. Everything will be according to proportion. Praise God. What the Bible says, I will recognize him. Now, whether he's going to have gray hair, he's going to have normal hair, he's going to have a whatever, I will recognize him. The Bible says, we will be like him. When we see him, we will be like him. Amen. Okay, those are the interesting parts. You see, when you are looking forward to it, there are different things that you'll be looking forward to. How's it going to be? Okay, like I love my wife very much, for example. The Bible says when we get there, there will be no marrying and uh, whatever. Really? Because me, every time I see my wife, I want to kiss my wife. So there will be no kissing there. Ah. That will be serious adjustment. But it's okay. How it will be, it will be so. Praise God. Those are interesting things I'm looking forward to. Amen? What are you looking forward to? They are interesting moments. Praise God. 
There were interesting moments. What about that my uncle I loved so much when I was a kid? Will he have grown older? When I see him, the city judges, I would recognize him. That's the most important thing. Amen? It will not be guesswork. Tell your neighbor there's no guesswork. I will recognize you when we get there. Don't be missing. Don't be missing. Don't be missing. I will recognize you when we get there. Amen? So the Lord himself, you see, we are going through scriptures that is guaranteeing us that we will see him. He's going to come again for us. John 5, 28 and 29. John 5, 28 and 29. Thank you, Jesus. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. All that are in the grave will hear his voice. That's powerful. So people are asking, what will wake them up? What will wake dead people up? Let me not use the word dead. Those who are asleep in Christ. What will wake them up? Look at that scripture. What's going to wake them up? It's Bible study. We've got to talk back and forth. Hmm? His voice. His voice. His voice is the only key to opening up the grave. When he was alive on the part of this world, he woke up three people. Praise God. Thank God he mentioned their names. He said, Lazarus, comfort. If he didn't mention Lazarus, he said, comfort. How many people do you think will come out that day? commotion but his voice has key to the grave hallelujah so make sure you hear his voice that's why i'm saying some people are arguing uh, who will hear his voice huh? there's no mechanism uh, if you're in russia there's no amount of noise you can make that you will hear in uh, jamaica who told you just make sure you hear his voice that's all amen whether you are Sleeping in Christ, whether you are awake and alive in Christ, make sure you hear his voice. And I pray for you today, you will hear his voice. I say you will hear his voice in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Are you learning something? All right. Um, First Corinthians 50, 15. 51 and 52. I tell you a mystery. Tell you a mystery. In a a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, you know what a twinkling of an eye is? It's a microsecond. In a twinkling of an eye, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Okay, go on. Whether it's the dead that are coming from the grave, or we that were alive, there will be a change. Because even those who are alive, when they are being raptured, you know, let me add myself to those who will be alive. Let me talk positive. So those of us who will be alive, when the rapture comes. Praise God. Because I, I believe God. I want to see it in my day. 
but like I said, we don't toil with the date. Amen? Uh-huh. So, now, when we are being caught up, the Bible makes us to understand, we are not dropping this body, but we are going to be changed. Hello? The suits will drop, the clothes will drop, praise God. You shall not be naked, hallelujah. Amen? But, you see, when we now get transformed, we have put on immortality. Praise God. And that's how we'll meet him. We'll meet him with our immortal body. Praise God. Praise God. In a moment, in a twinkle of eye, the thing is, it's not as a surgery, you know, when you want to go for surgery. No, the Bible says a twinkling of an eye. You know what a twinkling of an eye is? Your eyelid, you know, it closes and opens, it closes and opens. That's a twinkle of an eye. Microsecond. It's not even up to a second. One tenth or one third of a second. Like that. Boom. Boom. Twinkle of an eye. At the last trump, the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be, shall, shall be raised incorruptible. You see, their body is not the body that was there before. And shall be changed. Glory be to God. We shall be changed. The physiology of our body will not be flesh and blood again. It's not going to be flesh and blood. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Snatch, pull up. That's the word in Greek again, apostle. Glory be to God. Matthew 13, 19. Let's quickly rush this. I want to load you with as many scriptures as possible. Okay. Matthew 13, 19. Let's talk about that rapture. That word rapture is important. Apostle. Are we there? Okay. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is which received seed by the wayside. You see that word catcheth away? That's the same thing as hapazo. Catch away. Catch. Just take up. Amen. That's hapazo. That's the same word used as for rapture. You know, when he was described, he said like a thief in the night. He said, something, job is snatched. Be caught up. Praise God. Amen. All right. Let's go on. Let's take Acts 8.39. Let's see another word, uh, 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 the same word being used here. Acts 8.39. And when they were... And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the Enoch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. You see that word caught up again? How Philip was caught up. That's Hapasu there. Just snatching away, taking away. Praise God. There are other scriptures. You can write this down because of our time. Second Corinthians 12, 2 to 4. It's been used again there to describe rapture being caught up. 
uh, Jude 23, praise the Lord, and Revelations 12:5. sudden swift. So it's the same word being used. When you see cut up, being cut up, and so on, it's apazo. All right? And wow, uh, Jesus is Lord. I'm rushing things now. Okay, you can put 1 Corinthians 15, 42 to 44, and verses 50 to 54. Again, 1 Corinthians 15, 42 to 44, and 50 to 54. I wanted to talk about the last enemy, how death is swallowed up in victory. But let's just, let's, let's finish off this, uh, this section. God. Five things that will take place in your body. Let's quickly wrap it up. Five things that will take place in your body. I think we should read 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 54. That will give us the scriptural reference. Then we can list it, okay? 50 to 54. Are you there? If you got it, say, I got it. Okay. Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither the corruption and incorruption. Go on. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Okay? In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. 54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Praise God. Oftentimes you hear when people go to sleep or we say good night to them as believers going finishing the assignment on this part of eternity, we normally say something, we say, death, where is your sting? Uh, one of the reasons why you see that statement being made is that from that day, death has ceased to have power over that human being. Why? Because he's going to rise again. And when he rises, he's going to live forever. So death, that's the best shot you can have now. But hear the good news. He's going to rise up. Why? Not because I say so, because Jesus Christ had said so concerning him. Praise God. And that's why as, as believers, we don't mourn anybody. Once you pass on, we know that the most important decision you need to make, you have made it. So five things that will take place in the body. Number one, because of our time, I won't be able to write this. I wanted to. Corruptible to incorruptible. Dishonor to glory. Weakness to power.
praise God. I think I should begin to bring it to a close. If there are one or two things I'll just want to say. Philippians chapter 3, from verses 20 to 21, points out something that we are permanent citizens of heaven. By God's grace, one is a citizen of Canada, but we are just residents of Canada. Some of you come from other countries in the world that you, are, you claim citizenship of it, fine. But I want you to know as a believer, you are more of a resident there. Your citizenship is of heaven. He that is from above is from above all. Your citizenship is in another location. Glory be to God. Now, the important thing I want to stress here is, can we go to Philippians 3, 20 and 21? 20 and 21. For our conversation is in heaven. Conversation here means our manner of life is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 21. Who shall change our vile body? You see it again? It's all over the scriptures. He's talking about this resurrection that will take place. Who will change our vile body and may be fashioned like unto his own glorious body? according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. All right, 21. Who shall change our vile body? Okay, that's what I've just read, right? To subdue all things unto himself. Now, 1 John 3, 2. 1 John 3, 2. who will be like his glorious body. That's, that's awesome. 1 John 3, 2. Are we there? Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Why will we be like him? Because we are going to put on immortality too. Praise God. Praise God. And there's one thing that is clear for us that I want you to take home tonight. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Let us read it. And I want you to underline it in your scripture and put it as part of your own pursuit. Praise God. 1 Corinthians, I read there, 1, 7. Good. So that he, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's New King James. He says, waiting eagerly. Eagerly. Let's go to that seven. Give me, give me verse seven in New King James. Yeah, I got it. So that we make sure you come in no short. Make, so that you come short in no gift. Eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, for the coming back of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that is what I find missing in the body of Christ today. We are not eagerly waiting for the coming back of the Lord. That is why believers are living like unbelievers sometimes. Because you that you are waiting for his coming back, you don't want anything 
to happen for you to miss the first flight. I told you in the earlier study that missing the first flight is a catastrophe. You don't want that to happen. And do you know you can easily miss it if you are out of line? Praise God. So the Bible says, Apostle Paul always says that. He says the love of God constrains us. We will not put our hands into what we shouldn't put our hands into. Why? The love of God constrains us. We can't. Why? They were always eagerly waiting for the appearing of the Lord. Do you know people like Apostle Paul? They lived their lives, even though they knew. It's not that Jesus Christ was going to come and meet them at that time. But they lived every day as if he would come the next day. They were so conscious of his second coming. They were so conscious. In this generation, sometimes we look at our lives, we look at our behavior, we look at our character sometimes, we say, wow, are we truly saved? Do we believe in what we carry? Are we saints or sinners? <laughs> There's a program called Saints or Sinners or something like that. Huh? Are we really saints? Have we been redeemed by the blood of a lamb? Are we living the life he has called us to live? Praise God. Second Timothy 4 8. Oh, Titus 2, sorry. 11 and 12. Titus 2, 11, 12, and 13. But we'll do 11 and 12, and verse 13 explains why. Don't forget, waiting eagerly for his return. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly laws, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why should we live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present evil world? Why? Verse 13 tells us the answer. It says, looking for the blessed hope. In other translations, it's looking forward for the blessed hope. Of the appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the character, the nature, the attitude we have lost in the body of Christ. We should be, everybody, anybody going anywhere or going somewhere, people around you know, know you are going somewhere. So we should build this culture back in us. I'm not saying we should now start building. No, in you, start with your own life. Am I eagerly waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus? Or my life is just, look, there's nothing wrong in living and enjoying life here. But this one must be in you. I will tell you the reason why from the scriptures. Why you should, because God's eyes are upon those who are eagerly waiting for his second coming. God watches over you. God protects you. God's eyes are on you. If your, your eyes are on him also. Where are your eyes? Are they with the Lord or somewhere else? Praise God. Look at it again. Second Timothy. I just told you why you should live soberly, right? He said the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present evil age. Why? So that we can focus 
on his glorious com uh, coming. We can focus on his, uh, the appearing of his glorious nature. We can focus on it. Second Timothy 4, 8. Look at it. This was Paul's exit statement. He said, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous Lord, will give to me on that day. Which day? And not me alone. Which day? He says he will give unto me, but also those who have loved his appearing. Those who love his second coming. Those who are waiting eagerly for the rapture. Those who are conscious that he's coming back for them. He's not lying. Those who live in the consciousness of his coming back. He said there's a crown waiting for you too. The question is this. Are you eagerly waiting for his coming back to redeem this mortal body? Are you eager about this celestial body you are going to have? Are you waiting for his appearing? That is a question you ask yourself. Am I waiting for his appearing? Or my Christianity just ends. I'm saved and that's it. Full stop. There are more interesting things. Salvation is the ultimate, but there are many other interesting things you should know. Sometimes when I go through the scriptures like this, I say, how will people understand? Somebody told me once, he said, no. He said, when you get to heaven, there will be a school. Some people have to be re-schooled. Praise God. Hallelujah. God has his eyes on those who are longing for his appearing. He has his eyes on them. There are two judgments that will come upon every human being on this earth that you cannot miss. You cannot miss these two things. Two appointments that you can't miss. Hebrews 9, 27 to 28. Two appointments. Please remind me to tell you the two appointments you can't miss. There's no human being born of a woman. You can never miss these two appointments. God will ensure you will show up for the two appointments. You will. Whether you like it or not. If you are the chief excuse maker in the world, no excuse can get you out of these two appointments. You know? You know some people are very good at excuses. Before you lay the claim, they have pulled it. This one can't work. This one. Mm, let's see. If this one doesn't work, pull another one there. Huh? Give excuse, excuse, excuse. Nine. Are you there? Praise God. And that is, it is appointed unto men to die how many times? Once. And after death is what? Judgment. Verse 28. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time. Apart from sin, for salvation. He will appear a second time. Two appointments you can never miss. Number one is death. Even if your name is Methuselah, one day you will transcend. All right? Death is one. The second one is judgment. When a church is not confronted with the expectation 
of the Lord's return, the level of holiness will not be where it ought to be. It's messages like this missing in churches that you see people live a wire. Which policeman wants to catch them? That's why you see people live anyhow. That's why you see people will not just be comely. Praise God. Because the fear, not fear in being scared, the reverence of the second coming is not in the center of their heart. The Bible says, because you are waiting for him, you will be pure as he's pure. You know. You'll be, when you are eagerly waiting for him, as he is, so will you be. Praise God. No guile. You will always long for him. Praise God. Glory be to God. A lot of things to still share, but let's close. First Thessalonians 5, 23 to 24. Thank you so much. First Thessalonians 5, 23 to 24. It is? Uh, uh. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and make your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't want to only redeem your spirit, your soul. He wants to redeem your body as well. He who calls you is faithful and he will also do it. I'm trusting God as we come to the conclusion of this series today, you will be preserved blameless. You have known how to walk your spirit how to walk your soul and to keep your body under subjection and know that eternally he is still going to redeem your body. This mortality will put on immortality. Praise God. Let's rise up on our feet like champions today. Glory be to God. Have you been blessed? Have you learned something? Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed by the word today. Please join our services live every Sunday, 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. and Bible study every Friday, 7 p.m. at 95 Church Street, St. Catharines. We hope you have a wonderful week ahead and God bless you.